Welcome back, listeners. I'm your host, Brad Christensen, and this is Lost in Hyperspace, your out-of-this-world podcast from Surrealist Pictures. Episode 2, The Oscars. So I'm going to kind of change this one up for this week and do it mostly solo since it's about a uh, topic that I feel very strongly about, and that is the Oscar ceremony, a huge event for every filmmaker and one that I think we all hope that we will one day get into. So for the first part of this podcast, I will be going over the Academy Awards ceremony in general. I'll also be posting several articles along with this podcast for further reading. Toward the end, however, I will take an in-depth look at La La Land and Moonlight, which became the two frontrunners and also had the media buzzing over a mistake that resulted in La La Land being read as Best Picture winner when it was supposed to be Moonlight. So this year I was very excited about the Oscars, but I must admit that I don't watch the ceremony religiously every year, and there are several reasons for that. Firstly, not every year has movies featured that really speak to me. Second, Sometimes the Oscar politics really get to me, and I don't take heavy interest in any of the nominations, and this last reason is very important to me personally. I don't feel like all the genres are given equal weight. Science fiction, fantasy, and horror all represent genres that consistently remain unrecognized in the best picture category. The only major exception in the science fiction and fantasy genre was when Lord of the Rings Return of the King managed to be the first fantasy film to take home Best Picture. Horror is another important genre that is ignored by the Oscars. In fact, the one and only Best Picture winner for a horror film has been Silence of the Lambs. You get a bit more recognition when you move into writing, directing, and acting categories, but not by much. AMC's Filmsite.org has a very good list that shows the Oscar genre bias in terms of both nominations and wins. Also, one of my favorite films, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, remains the only Best Picture winner for a martial arts film. So the most popular genres in the Best Picture category are drama, as in All About Eve, Million Dollar Baby, and Crash, and epic films such as Gone with the Wind, Ben-Hur, and Titanic. Some very culturally significant films, such as Psycho, among many others, don't even make it into the Best Picture category. Citizen Kane even lost out to How Green Was My Valley back in 1942. And how many people do you hear talking about How Green Was My Valley compared to Citizen Kane? This proves that only time will tell the truly significant films. That having been said, we all love the Oscars because of its long history with film and the major milestone it represents in the careers of those nominated. This year's Oscars just, first of all, it had me on the edge of my seat. I thought the films this year were incredible. I have thus far had the chance to see La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, Hacksaw Ridge, and Moonlight. So that's four down and five to go on Best Picture nominees. I'm probably most excited to see Arrival next, but given the title of the podcast, that shouldn't be surprising. So what else was interesting about this year's Oscars? Well, for one thing, I don't think we've ever had an Oscar ceremony that had a tour group come in mid-ceremony, so let's start with that. 
So I'm not exactly sure what kind of message was being sent there. The expressions on the tourist faces can be compared to those of a child that finally gets to go to the zoo. Although, rather than engaging with the environment and celebrities around them, most of them were glued to their cell phones, documenting every minute they were there. So tying that back to our current conversation, it did have me thinking whether Kimmel was trying to introduce Hollywood to everyday people who make up the audiences that see the films being produced, or whether everyday people were being given a glance into celebrity lifestyle. Anyway, keeping those points in mind, let's move into our next surprise of the night. Oh yes, I am talking about Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty reading La La Land for Best Picture when it was really supposed to be Moonlight. Of course, because it happened between La La Land and Moonlight, two of the biggest winning films of that night, it does generate a lot of comparisons between the two projects. To me, it almost felt like a David and Goliath type moment. La La Land was the bigger and more expensive studio film that harkened back to the golden age of Hollywood when the musical genre was producing big hits. Then you have Moonlight, which was the smaller indie film that struck a chord and drew in audiences through great performances and the intimate camera work that brought you close to these incredible characters. And here is where you get the spoiler alert. If you haven't seen these films and want the plot to be a surprise, then travel no further. Speaking of travel, just as we had tourists coming in getting a look at the celebrity lifestyle during the Oscars, we also had a film that was all about that as well. La La Land was the story of dreamers and getting that shot at the big time. Much like Damien Chazelle's other film, Whiplash, La La Land follows the story of ordinary people who aspire to become famous through unwavering pursuit of their dreams, and yet fame remains just out of reach. Here is a selection of lyrics that reflect this predominant theme. A technicolor world made out of music and machine It called me to be on that screen And live inside each scene Without a nickel to my name Hopped a bus, here I came I could be brave or just insane We'll have to see You make the right impression Then everybody knows your name We're in the fast lane Someone in the crowd could be the one you need to know The one to find Enter Sebastian and Mia, who find their someone in the crowd, sorry, and fall in love while in pursuit of their dreams. They represent the perfect couple. Match soulmates from the very start, where one character has doubts or flaws, the other is there to pick them up and provide advice that push them on and go, go. All right, too much. Only problem is they get so attached to the idea of fame that they begin to neglect each other and strain their relationship. Ultimately, in the end, Mia is forced with a decision and at Sebastian's urging, chooses fame over love. I don't think we can do anything. Because when you get this... If I get this. When you get this... You gotta give it everything you got. Everything. It's your dream. One of the things I enjoyed most about La La Land came at the end. In this movie, you get an imaginary alternative ending where Mia and Sebastian get married and live happily ever after. However, in reality, it is not meant to be, and true love does not win the day. So what did I think of the film? I loved it, of course, and even Damien himself pointed out that musicals are a hard genre because it is very easy for characters to be caught up and lost in the music. La La Land 
had an excellent balance of character development with moments like these. So you could just write your own roles, you know, write something that's as interesting as you are and you don't have to audition for this. Yeah. Uh, caca. Look at Louis Armstrong, you know, he could have just played the marching band charts that he was given, but he didn't do that. What did he do? What did he do? Well, he made history, didn't he? Well, I'm going to stop auditioning and I'm going to make history instead. That were combined with the grand scale musical numbers that made musicals such a popular genre in the golden age of Hollywood. The trumpet player, he's got his own idea. And so it's conflict and it's compromised and it's just, it's new every time. It's brand new every night. It's very, very exciting. However, I did note that a good many of the character traits praised both in La La Land and in Whiplash are egotistical in nature. Andrew Neiman, in Chazelle's previous film, flat out tells his girlfriend they can't be together because she would detract from his goal of being a professional jazz drummer. In La La Land, this theme is continued, where Sebastian and Mia are so obsessed with getting that career that they miss out on actually being together. Damien seems to enjoy this theme of characters trying to balance career and relationship. So to close my review of La La Land, all I can say is that you have to go and see it. It is a tremendously entertaining film. I am very fond of the music. I will, however, note that the character development in terms of depth is not as much as I would have liked it to be, but the movie is geared more towards entertaining you than really telling a uh, character-driven story. Now, onto Moonlight, which takes a very different tone than that of La La Land. Moonlight was adapted from a project by Terrell Alvin McCraney titled In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. Barry Jenkins is a masterful director in this coming-of-age drama. The story is told in three acts, with three different actors playing the main character, Chiron. From the very beginning, Juan, played by Mahershala Ali, decides to take in the young Chiron, who is hiding from a bunch of bullies. Juan becomes the father figure that Chiron never had, and one of my favorite scenes in the film was the swimming lesson. The water and waves were rough, and Chiron was taught to swim. So I just love this scene because it represents a spiritual connection between these two characters, and there's a lot of symbolism here. The water, to me, represents the roughness of Chiron's early life, and it's very interesting to me that he chose the swimming lesson for this moment of connection. Juan is almost making Chiron float above all of this roughness, and I think in that way, this film is very direct with its emotion, with the symbolism combined with the character development. Barry loves to focus in on the face and eyes, thus as he puts it, allowing us to see into the character's soul. 
He even decided to cast the main characters based not only on just whether they looked alike, but also on the emotion of the actors. In particular, there is a similarity in the eye movements of the three actors, and it works so well. You not only see the characters, but you feel them too. Should I cry so much sometimes, I feel like I'm gonna just turn the drives. You just roll out into the water, right? Roll out into the water like all these other motherfuckers around here trying to drown their sorrows. Moonlight is at its heart a coming-of-age film. There are themes of aspiration, romance, regret, and redemption. Through his childhood friend Kevin, Chiron first finds love, and it is a love based on the deep connection and understanding between these two characters. I think the movie speaks a lot about masculinity and that desire to be almost maternal towards people that we care about. There is also an absence of a real maternal figure in this movie, as the mother is abusive and neglectful. I need some money. For what? That's my business. Don't you ask me no shit like that. What don't have no No, don't, don't lie to me, boy. I'm your mama. That bitch over there ain't no Kenya. I'm your blood, remember? I ain't feeling good. I need something to help me out. Yo, Kev. Hit that nigga. Hit that nigga, Kev. Yeah, hit his faggot ass. The fuck you waiting on? Do it. Come on. Let's go. And though Chiron has a hard time being accepted through his early years and goes through his later years with a tough outer shell, in the end, I think the most powerful message shines through, and that is when most of the characters in the film come to accept themselves and those they love as they are. I messed up. I mean, I fucked it all the way up. I know that. But your heart ain't gotta be black like mine, baby. I love you, Sharon. I do. I love you, baby. I mean, you ain't gotta love me. Lord knows I did not have love for you when you needed it. I know that. So you ain't gotta love me. But you gonna know that I love you. You hear? You hear me, Sharon? I hear you, mama. What's up, Sharon? What's you looking at me like that for? What, man? Come on, you just drove down here? Yeah. Like you was just, you was just on one, and you hit the highway. Yeah. 
where you gonna stay tonight, man. So to wrap up my review of Moonlight, I can also say that it represents a tremendous achievement as it is one of the first LGBT films to get Best Picture. La La Land got its own record breaker when Damien Chazelle became the youngest Academy Award winning director. Norman Turog had that record in 1936 and was also 32, but several months older than Damien when he won the award. Overall, I think Moonlight took the Best Picture Award because it had better character development and more direct emotion in the performances. La La Land, though, could have just as easily taken Best Picture and is now one of my favorite musicals. I thought the score in particular was exceptional and it makes you feel awesome just listening to all the songs. It also provides a grand world of escapism, which as a writer that likes science fiction and fantasy, I can relate to that. In the end, however, I think Moonlight was chosen for Best Picture with several important reasons, and I think first and foremost, it brought in and acknowledged diversity, which is an important topic, especially in today's climate of racial and political tension. The way the film was presented, everything felt real, and to me, it really humanized the gay characters by putting them into leading roles and not presenting them as a sideshow, like Hollywood so often does with gay characters. So we talked a lot about the Best Picture category during this podcast, and in many ways, I think it has come not only to represent what is the best film, but also what is the most important film for that particular year and time. So while we might not all agree on the choices of films this year, we should all as artists respect that diversity in both work and in people is respected and elevated in the up and coming years. Moonlight represents a major milestone in that direction, and I hope this is a sign that the Oscars will become more modern by diversifying the types of films they recognize. After all, especially at the indie level, it is a good sign that Hollywood is reaching out. Thanks for listening. If you have any thoughts on the 2017 Oscars, please be sure and use the comment section on the Surrealist Pictures SoundCloud page. Also, be sure and share our podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And while you're at it, be sure to like and follow us for the latest updates. Here's to the ones who dream Foolish as they may seem to the hearts that ache. Here's to the mess.